Welcome to the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast, where we examine the latest digital strategies, tactics, case studies, and technologies to help you drive your brand and your career to new heights. You'll hear from a range of marketers and industry experts to help you, the corporate marketer, to take advantage of your many digital opportunities. Here's your host, digital marketing expert, published author, and regular media presenter, Peter Applebaum. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Applebaum, and we're going to talk about choice today. Choice is what you're talking about when you're working for a large organization like Bayer Consumer Healthcare. You've got lots of different brands with different target markets, different objectives, different budgets. So that's one of the challenges for an organization like Bayer, as it is with the companies like Nestle, Unilever, Procter & Gamble. So speaking to uh, people who are focused in the digital space and helping organizations like that and of, of that size decide what to do with whom where is i think quite a challenge and it's quite insightful so we're going to be talking about that there's also uh, something that's become a bit of a recurring theme in the podcast is that uh, we're talking to executives and organizations and they're saying there is a will to evolve which is critical of course and when i'm talking about there is a will to evolve from traditional ways of doing business to new ways of doing business that incorporate digital in every respect primarily in marketing as we're talking about here brands we're talking about for bayer are primarily b2c but there is also a b2b element as well and we'll explore that so i would like to take you to the interview we had with kira which I'm sure you'll find very interesting. I would like to welcome Kira Parry, who's the Digital Acceleration Manager for Bayer Consumer Healthcare. Kira, welcome to the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's good to be here. Oh my goodness, it's good to it's good to finally catch you. This is a woman who is going all around the world on a regular basis, so she is accelerating <laughs> her frequent flyer points by working with Bayer, which is uh, which is a good thing. Indeed it is. <laughs> so on that point, what actually led you to the position you currently have with Bayer? So I've recently moved back to Australia after about a six and a half years stint in the UK, where I worked at a combination of media agencies, publishers, and most recently a big FMCG company. And my experience across all of those positions was really looking at how we drive, I guess, digital and media transformation and change. And when I saw the opportunity at Bayer, I thought it was a really, I guess, good challenge to actually come into a business that's quite heavily regulated and explore how we could actually make digital work to achieve brand objectives. I think as an organisation, Bay has a really nice story to tell. We've got um, a lot of products that make a positive impact on people's lives and I think digital is a perfect platform to, to bring that story to life and I'm here to help make it happen. So we're obviously going to expand on that throughout this conversation, but uh Given that you have such a varied background, both on the, as I say, both sides of the barbed wire fence on the, the, the agency side, but also on the client side, yep. what is that, what was it about that opportunity that appealed to you as opposed to others? Because what I, I do know, there is a bit of a skill shortage in the digital space in Australia yep. and people like yourself with, with blue chip experience would be in high demand. I guess for me, it was the opportunity to really own the digital roadmap and, and drive the journey for the organisation. There's a big focus from a global perspective and a corporate perspective on digital at the moment, but I feel that the word digital in itself can mean everything and, and nothing at the same 
same time. Yeah. Um, so it was the opportunity to really map out what digital looks like for Bayer here in Australia. So uh, looking at everything from kind of digital marketing, content creation uh, through to e-commerce and, and how we prepare for the arrival of, you know, certain players into the e-commerce market as well. Such as Amazon. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Look, one of the, the things that appealed to me about speaking to you is that the conversation we had previously and that was you see digital as a facilitator and not a means, to, not, not an end in itself. And I think Absolutely. there are a lot of organizations and perhaps people that work within those organizations that say that we've got to build websites, we've got to build apps, we've got to build e- do emails and those types of things. What you see, as you say, is digital transformation for the organization. Could you expand a bit on that? Absolutely. It's it's all around how can we use digital to drive our overall objectives, whether that be for the organization or for each of our brands. I think, you know, quite often you have a brand strategy and a separate digital strategy, but really they should be fully integrated because digital is a channel which you can use to actually achieve your overall objectives. And what attracted you to to take your career down the the digital marketing or digital transformation path? Um, It's always been an area that's interested me, I think. Being a millennial. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Being a millennial and, um, look, I'm a consumer who is constantly attached to my phone. I believe it is a very effective way to reach people. I, you know, see all of these amazing disruptive organisations being built out of the digital age and to me I find that really inspiring. Well, speaking about inspiring, what recommendations would you have for executives who are also working in, in medium to large corporates who are listening to this podcast and saying, okay, well, Kira has has uh, taken this leap and she feels that there's there's a great deal of, of scope for her career moving forward. What recommendations would you have for them? Test, learn, fail and, um, and keep going. I think, you know, quite often we spend too much time thinking about the what ifs and trying to prove that something will be successful before we actually dive in from a digital standpoint. And I think just dipping toes in the water and, and trying lots of new different things is, is the best way to go about it. Obviously, make sure that, you know, what you're doing is, is designed to meet your overall objectives, but don't be afraid to fail. Which is a pretty scary word for a lot of people in, in organisations. So could you expand on how you got beyond any concerns about failure and how that may impact on your career? Because it's not very compelling. It's like Kira says, OK, <laughs> test, learn, fail. Uh, Everything else I can get and I enjoy, but failing, not so much. Yeah, and and I guess that goes down to ensuring that you have the support of the business as well and demonstrating how you can actually learn from your failures. And it's not just, a, oh, that's happened, let's never speak of it again, but actually really owning the journey and the experience that you had, you know, throughout the, the failure, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of our earlier uh, interviews was with uh, Joe Millwood from 3M, and he, yeah. he expanded quite a bit on that, about having managers who were supportive of him and, as as you've said, failing and not necessarily achieving objectives. And obviously, there is a financial cost associated with that and also yeah. an opportunity cost as well. Yeah. So. That actually leads us nicely to our next question, which is, uh, was it difficult to convince internal stakeholders about the value that digital can bring to their brands, be it senior management, middle management? I think given, you know, digital from a Bayer perspective is a very big focus and priority across the globe at the moment. It's probably been easier than in previous organisations where that hasn't necessarily been the case. Everyone, you know, is really passionate and wants to get involved and wants to accelerate. I guess the challenge that a lot of corporations of our size will have is, you know, it's looking at the processes and the tools and the infrastructure internally to actually allow you to be agile, 
to learn from your failures and to make changes straight away. So, so why is it a focus within Bayer? Why, what is driving that, that focus and, and commitment to digital? It's that understanding that it's where consumers are. It's where they're spending majority of their time. And for us to be relevant, we need to be you know, not only in front of them at the relevant moments, but providing that really key relevant message to them as well. And look, Bayer is a very long-established organisation. It's been around for many decades. Do you find that uh, there are institutionalised processes in, and systems in place that you're battling against every day to, to get these things implemented? I, I think, yes, with every large organisation, that's a, a challenge, regardless of how agile or you know digital they, they are. I think even if you look at the likes of, of Google and Facebook, I think there are processes there that, um, that define what they do and they have to battle against for new innovation as well you know it's very much the case here I guess you know it's about bringing people on board of that journey not just focusing on digital change within the marketing department but making sure that our medical and our regulatory and our legal teams are all actually you know educated on the journey and what we're trying to achieve and and why it's important and all of a sudden you know you've got partners to actually work on defining new processes with you. And given your experience in other organizations what do you think is different with Bayer? And I know you mentioned that uh, there is a commitment here that that's what consumer digital is, where consumers are and what they're doing on a regular basis. But what are the challenges that you find are unique within Bayer? that you haven't found before? Sure. I think I haven't worked in pharma before. So, you know, the medical and regulatory approval process is is different. You know, I don't see it as as being a difficult process to overcome. We have fantastic people who work in those departments of the organisation who are committed to, you know, finding the best solution for us to accelerate in the digital space. But that's definitely been, from my perspective, an area that I've had to educate myself on as well because it's it's all new to me. And is part of your role educating internal stakeholders? Absolutely. It's a really big part of, of what I do. And what, what form does that take? So a combination of, of things, whether it be, you know, sitting down and, and having a chat with people in different departments just to bring them on board with the journey. But we've also introduced, you know, capability building programs for our marketing category and sales team as well to ensure that I guess they're equipped with the knowledge that they need to succeed in the digital world, the knowledge that they need to make sure that we're asking the right questions about agencies and that we're getting the value out of all of our partners in this space. And without naming names, of course, do you feel that as part of your digital transformation, you have turned people around internally who may have been sceptical and are now adherents and believers? Yeah, I would say so. I think I've definitely noticed a a shift in, in mindset over the past couple of months. And, you know, that's not me alone but it's actually you know core people within the business who believe and understand and and can help you to spread the word and articulate that to a wider audience I think so long as you can demonstrate how digital can be used to fulfill the overall objectives of the brand or of the organization it's a much easier job to sell in as opposed to saying hey we need to be doing this from a digital standpoint because it's what everyone else is doing it's what everyone else is doing and and I guess you're coming up potentially against people we've always done it this way but by the by the sounds of things you've you haven't perhaps come up against that so much here as you may have done in previous organizations uh no and and I think you know there was someone in my role previously so it's a a journey that they've been on for for quite some time but I I think most people understand the importance and and want to get involved as much as possible and leading on from that obviously is what metrics do you use to measure the success or otherwise of the digital programs that you're helping to create or creating it totally depends on what our objectives are. So um, I'm a, a big believer in looking at 
and I've mentioned this a few times, but looking at what we're trying to achieve, you know, from a brand standpoint, is it growing awareness? Is it increasing consideration? You know, is it actually driving sales and measuring accordingly? Obviously, it's it's more difficult um, when you're not selling direct to consumer to sure. measure that sales uplift. However, we put proxies in place using various um, digital media metrics for each of those uh, key objectives. So what are some uh, great results, whatever the metric is that you've achieved? since you've or you've worked with your teams to achieve since you've been here? Well I think outside of the brand side of thing we're running um, a capability building program at the moment it looks at the uplift of knowledge before and after uh, taking some of the lessons. And within the organisation or with, yeah, with within, trade partners? Uh, with a partner um, who's helping us to facilitate it. No no sorry so so it's for internal stakeholders? Yes right, for in- okay. internal stakeholders. Yep. We've seen quite a significant uplift in terms of knowledge of the team and, and for me that's what makes me really proud it's It's obviously great to see that digital is driving results in terms of, you know, your brand awareness and your sales. But internally, if we're getting it and we're starting to operate in a better way, the rest will come. Of course. No, that's brilliant. And do you benchmark your programs against any competitor initiatives? Where available, we will absolutely use benchmarks and and data from the wider industry to, um, to benchmark ourselves, I think, as well as you know, looking at pharmaceutical industry, when we look at the digital space, your competitor is no longer your on-shelf competitor, but anyone who is vying for the attention of a consumer. And mm-hmm. our Barocca consumer is buying, you know, a hell of a lot of other products as well. So as well as comparing ourselves to competitors, it's how do we actually compare against the overall industry? Right. Yeah. I actually remember working, uh, Kellogg was one of my clients at one stage. I remember someone at Kellogg saying, what we're going for is share of stomach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and I think um Netflix have now said that their biggest competitor is sleep. Um Really? Yeah. So I, I, I find that quite interesting because they're not looking at the likes of Amazon as as a competitor. Right. They're looking at, you know, it, it's stuff that takes up uh time for for the people who are watching. There you go. So Netflix destroying the sleep patterns of exactly. the world. <laughs> what did uh, Bill Gates say he wants to have a computer on every desk? Yeah. Well, there you go. So they want to stop people sleeping Netflix. <laughs> Okay, so is your digital marketing uh, primarily B2C focused or are you looking at B2B opportunities as well? A little bit of both. It's predominantly B2C, Mm -hmm. but we obviously have relationships with customers, with healthcare professionals. So there's an element of that associated with it as well. But most of my time is spent working at how we market to consumers. So is that because, look, obviously it's consumer healthcare, so your, your brands are consumer facing. But you obviously you've got the pharmac- the pharmacies you're talking to, the the supermarket chains, and maybe even the convenience stores as well, and, yep. and maybe other other places where you could, your products can be placed. Is it because B two B in the consumer brand context is is all too hard, or it's just easier? No, I don't think so. I think we absolutely do focus on those areas as well. But at the end of the day, it's concentrating on delivering the right messages to our our consumers and our shoppers. We can sometimes facilitate that message through, you know, key customers or other partners, but usually it's it's best coming from us. Do you find that your your key customers, uh, the trade trade partners, they too have a digital focus or they're kind of... 
Absolutely. Most of our partners now have dedicated digital resource and um, they're introducing, I guess, initiatives to yeah, to make sure that, you know, you're not just focusing on your on-shelf presence, but what are you focusing on from a digital standpoint as well? And do they incorporate that into their negotiations or discussions with you to say, okay, well, we're doing this, you're doing that from a digital point of view. Why don't we dovetail those initiatives so we can get a far greater outcome for both of us? You know, it's definitely an area of collaboration, I think, looking at our customers, but also looking at the agencies that we work with, looking at the media players that we partner with. Everyone is on a journey because it's a, you know, it's an area and an industry that is ever evolving and and changing all of the time. So the more that we can partner together to actually, you know, coordinate and, and drive initiatives together, I think the more powerful our, you know, communications and beyond will become. And are you the, the, the sole digital-focused resource within consumer healthcare or do you have other people who work with you? Right now, it's just me. Yes. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, there's a, there's a commitment from, from Bayer to build a resource right. uh, as well. Okay. And what organisations do you think are doing digital marketing well, either in your space in Australia or elsewhere? Um, great question. I'll use the Netflix example again. Mm-hmm. I think there's not a better example of a really data-driven company that is not insular. They don't look at their competitors as being other streaming services. They look at their competitors as being anything competing for attention. They use data to personalise and they do that incredibly well. They use that data to inform future content creation. Yeah, they're a great example of, of how digital can, you know, really transform not just what you're trying to do from a communications perspective, but overall as a business. And speaking about data, I mean, is data a key focus for you within within Bayer? Yeah, absolutely. I think along with, with most organisations at the moment, we're trying to better understand the data that we have available and how we can use that data. You know, there was a trend for a couple of years talking about big data, but <laughs> um, for now me... Now it's just data. <laughs> exactly. For, for me, it's about, I guess, meaningful insights and, you know, how can we actually use that data to benefit a consumer, to provide them with a valuable message or to provide them with something that is actually going to um, provide some sort of utility for them. So let's drill down a bit into that. So yep. what does that mean? I mean, we everyone always hears about data and data mining and data marketing, all these types of things, which is which is very logical. But from, from your point of view, Kira, both within uh, organizations you've worked in previously and, and within Bayer, yep. what, is, what is a physical or the actual manifestation of using data to better understand and work with consumers? Sure. So I, I guess using data to almost build out profiles and understand the need states of, of various consumers. So if they're in research mode and, uh, you know, maybe they're planning to get pregnant and they're madly researching everything on Google, how can we actually provide them with an article that's going to be really mm. interesting and useful for them? Whereas if there's someone who's maybe, you know, second time pregnant watching YouTube videos of, of Peppa Pig with their two-year-old how can we deliver them something that's short snappy and going to provide them with utility in that moment of need for me it's all about I guess making the journey as easy as possible from a consumer standpoint and how does that then play 
into the the digital marketing programs or campaigns that you launch into the marketplace? So I guess it's that personalization piece. It's mm-hmm. not the one size fits all creative. Sure. It's looking at developing, you know, dynamic creative, looking at developing articles and richer content on the back of the insights that we get. For me, I always draw a Venn diagram that looks at the sweet spot between what consumers want to hear and what we want to say. Mm-hmm. And for me, data really helps us to understand what that um, here part is referring to. And do your media partners, digital media partners, are they able to facilitate the, the hitting of that sweet spot for, for you and the consumer? Yeah, absolutely. Media partners for sure. You know, as with any data strategy, though, it's looking at what do we have um, here internally that we can potentially utilise um, and then what we can work with partners to access as well. Okay, so what do you feel are the most effective media partners or media channels and I, re- I understand that's going to vary depending on objectives and, yeah. and brand but what in your experience are those? If you look at the likes of Google and Facebook the um, data that they have access to is phenomenal. And, um, and scary. Yeah absolutely <laughs> very scary as well. You know it's not just necessarily data that they collect on users which is very powerful in itself but they have partnerships in place with you know the likes of Quantium for Facebook for example sure. which can even further strengthen what they're able to provide and how we're able to target our audience. Are there privacy concerns look it's, a, it's probably a silly question because there are always privacy concerns yeah. but because you're a, a healthcare company in the the pharma space are there even more privacy concerns because of the regulatory environment in which you operate yeah absolutely i think um you know we're very cautious of of making sure that um you know we're not collecting or using any data that we don't have a right to um, and I think that goes back to the the point around big data or insightful data as well I don't care or want to know what John on Pacific Highway <laughs> you know has is purchasing from us but collectively what trends can we see and what insights can we gather from that data so it's data sets as opposed to going down to hyper personalization correct okay so Where do you see that digital marketing will be in five years' time? If I could answer that, I would probably be... uh, Starting the next billion-dollar platform, next Snapchat. (laughs) I think we'll see AR really find its feet. Probably had this answer in every... Uh, Yeah, well, I ask the same question, so I get the same answer. That makes sense. AR will really find its feet. We'll see chatbots and artificial intelligence take over the world. Mobile, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Okay, let's let's mix it up a bit, Kira. Sure. 12 months. 12 months. Which in digital years is probably 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 12 months for us, augmented reality completely. Um, We already know that, well, it's it's believed that the next um, handsets from the likes of, of Apple and Samsung will have better augmented reality technology built into them. I believe we'll start to see a lot more uptake from a user and a consumer standpoint in that space. Um, so it's not just putting bunny noses on you? No, I think we'll see a, a bit of a shift change in terms of how that is used, you know, beyond entertainment. And it won't just be 18-year-old kids on Snapchat doing that. I, I, I'll probably start to see my dad playing around with augmented reality <laughs> over the next 12 months, I think. Put himself on a cricket pitch and yeah, uh, facing. Exactly. Facing some, someone from uh, from England or something like that in the in the ashes. Exactly. In the augmented reality ashes. Yeah. So, what do you see that? How do you see that that's going to make a difference to a, a brand marketer 
yeah. like yourself? Well, I, I think it's twofold. First of all, um, from a consumer perspective, how do we add value? Um, is it through providing an entertaining experience for them or is it through providing them with utility? If they're dealing with you know, a serious condition, how can we offer them advice and uh, utility beyond, you know, here's our product? And then I think if we look at more of a customer or HCP standpoint is how can we better use this technology to ensure that our healthcare professionals are aware of, you know, the the benefits of the products and how we can actually utilise those and, and how they can provide instructions to consumers. Okay. And look, we've, we've already seen the enormous impact digital has had on the traditional media, mm-hmm. such as newspapers, for example. They're in a bit of a death spiral, so it seems, although I'm sure they would disagree. Mm-hmm. Advertising. Yes. The nature and role of advertising seems to have changed quite dramatically uh, to this point. How do you see that it will impact um, the progression of AR and, and uh, uh, AI and other types of new technologies are going to impact on the traditional advertising space? I think. We'll will there be a TVC in five years' time? There will be a piece of video content. There won't be a TVC, in my opinion. Bold um, prediction, Kira. <laughs> I I fed you that one. Thank you. (laughs) You may have a piece of video content that runs on TV, but um, it it won't be, hey, here's a 30-second TVC. Quick, let's develop some additional assets to support it. I think the hero piece will look very different. And, yeah, I think over the next couple of years, we'll begin to see brands. I mean, brands are already playing in the AR space. Some doing it really well, some not doing it. I've seen some good examples from the likes of Coca-Cola, who are usually kind of first to market with experimenting. They've got the budget, they've got the market position. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And even uh, some of the other more traditional FMCG players, there's been some good examples from P&G, I think across Europe and the US as well. So I think we'll see a lot more brands playing in that space. We'll probably see a lot of examples of brands trying augmented reality for the sake of trying it without actually thinking about that value exchange for the consumer and I think the shiny new thing exactly and I think that's where the you know brands need to think about what's the point of difference what am I providing to the consumer that's really going to add value because if you're asking someone to scan your product or scan something there's got to be some value in it for them I was actually having a conversation with another client this morning and he was quite cynical and he said look everything's about digital these days and and there's like we see in in the trade press virtually 50% of marketing dollars are being spent on digital which is mind-blowing because when I started it was like 1%, 2%. What do you, do you feel a lot of organizations are doing it for the sake of it and don't really get it? I think some organizations would definitely be doing it for the sake of it. Not that that is, you know, they're probably not getting the results that they should be from that. But so long as they're learning from that, I think it's okay to experiment. Which goes back to the fail thing. Yeah, exactly. But I, I do think there needs to be, you know, I guess the beauty of, of digital is that we are able to track results. It's much more accountable than other medias before it. Yeah, um, it's scary. Let me yeah. Tell you. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're starting as an industry to hold publishers and to hold agencies accountable for that you know, transparency of of data. And I think that needs to be something that we continue to drive because 
yeah, there's it, because it's been a topic that so many people have shied away from for so long, there's some dodgy ingrained practices right. <laughs> potentially that happen as well. So. And I think the marketing industry or the advertising industry broadly is, is kind of like it's been this hayride. It's like, oh, this money's coming in and we kind of like, well, let's focus at the front of it where we're spending the money and, and booking the media. Yeah. And what happens after that? Well, it'll take care of itself. The old 50% of my marketing advertising budget is, is wasted. I'm not sure which 50%. So no more scary yeah absolutely and you know that requires resource as well to make sure that you're keeping an eye on that you know on an ongoing basis it's not something you plan and and leave so businesses need to consider the way that they're operating from that standpoint okay kira final question yes what are your top three tips and we ask everyone this what are your top three tips for other corporate marketers looking to optimize their social media digital marketing initiatives three tips I would say number one, listen to your consumers. What are they interested in hearing and what do you have a right to to talk about? And make sure that I guess you're developing content with that insight in mind. I would say number two is, you know, going for it. Once you've developed a couple of pieces of content, test them, you know, live against each other and see which performs best and make optimization decisions based on that. And I would say the third one, if you're trying to, I guess, drive digital transformation is identify key people within the organization, key stakeholders, I think, across functions who can really support you and and get it and understand it and and can help you drive it because if you're a single person or a a single um, department of an organization it's going to be a lot more difficult to to do than if you've really brought people along that journey with you three great tips the final one which is interesting and i hadn't heard that before but it's a it's a key one and that is having stakeholders across different uh, different areas within the organization if you're looking to join a company as as a digital marketing manager or a digital transformation uh or digital acceleration manager (laughs) as you are kira how would you know that i mean how would you know where the will of the organization is to to help you to achieve to work together collectively to achieve those objectives I I don't think you will ever know 100% Mm. before you join an organisation. But when you do, you know, when you do join an organisation, it's about meeting as many people as you can, understanding what their passions and motivations are, demonstrating how digital can help them achieve those uh, passions and motivations, and then, you know, bringing them on board. Um, I think it's, you know, building that relationship and building that trust from the very beginning. Awesome. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is I learn something from everyone I speak to. And I've, I've certainly learned a lot today, Kira, and I'm sure people who listen to this will be learning new things as well. So, Kira Parry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. So there we have it, another one in the can. I'd like to thank Kira Parry very much for her time and also giving us the insights that we always get when we speak to people of her caliber. I think one of the key tips I took from the discussion with Kira is the need to get buy-in, not just from the CMO, CFO and CEO, but also other departments within the organization. You'd think logically that you would need to focus on merely the marketing and maybe even the, the sales teams as well as senior management. But I think it's a smart strategy to involve other parts of the organization to ensure there's universal buy-in to ensure that things go well. So as we said, there's uh, the recurring themes we're talking about with many of our corporates is uh, the need to create that buy-in and also education, educating people in the organization as to what the opportunities are and making it easier to actually implement the programs that we're talking about. 
And finally, of course, we talked about choice, where you have so many brands, what do you do, when and with whom. But that's what uh, what this podcast is all about, is to give illumination to all of those sorts of wonderful and fun things. So thank you for joining us again, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. You just listened to the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast. If you have any suggestions about what you'd like us to talk about in future podcasts, email us at info at tickyes.com. For the transcript, links from this episode and other information, go to www.tickyes.com and click on the podcast link. Have a great digital day.